Hello and um, welcome. I would normally say welcome to the Sheffield Hopcast. You may have noticed that we've been away for a little bit over the summer. We've been reworking our business model, so I'm pleased to uh, announce uh, the first ever episode of the uh, the newly rebranded Sheffield Cidercast. So thank you very much for... Um, <laughs> For, for joining us. Thanks this to all the beer lovers the that have joined new. us over the years. And literally just but you can do off. one now. We're, we're, we've seen the yep. future. So the all the all new um, Sheffield side, so much of that is bullshit, isn't it? I hate the phrase <laughs> all new. It's clearly not. I have to get rid of all you lot. If it was all new, I'd have to go as well. Yeah, it's not. So, But but this is the first ever Cidercast edition of the Hopcast uh, because we are at the Cider Hole. We've got the full team here. We've got Sean here. Hello. Hello there. We've got Adam. Hello. And we've got Laura. Hello. And we're joined by Mike. Hi. Sean, do you want to do your dad, jo- dad joke here? Um, what, the Mike Mike yeah. sort of we thing? Yeah, there was, com- there was com- No, well, he's dropped it on me now, hasn't he? <laughs> uh, yeah, there were, there, were, there were confusion. There were mics literally all over the place earlier. So, fact, we've got six mics tonight. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Even though only five have been used. I'm really glad I asked you to do that. Um, <laughs> Mike, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. So this is your place? Yeah, we're at the Cider Hole. Um, and actually, I mean, I've been, a, I started my career as a, I've been a beer writer for, for 15 years. So I feel like I, I could have been on the Hopcast. You didn't have to, just because I went and opened a cider bar, I've now been a pigeonholed <laughs> into only knowing about cider. So. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's your role in in this whole equation. Uh, I'm, ha- I'm happy to, to 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 stay in my lane though for this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, before we talk about the venue, we've already got. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> James is not a white. He's not a cider. He's not a cider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's done well. Okay, he's gone. I'll, I'll do that, that again. That came from uh, Astagraga in Spain. <laughs> Uh, before we uh, before we chat about the uh, the venue, uh, we do already have a cider. Um, so tell us about. I'm so used to saying tell us tell us about the beer. Tell us about the cider. Am I saying it? Are you allowed to say cider, or is that frowned upon? Is it cidra? Cidra? cidra. It is, it is, well, I mean, cidra is just Spanish for cider, so it's. Oh, okay. I'm I think, not Spanish, it's, so it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Is it, is it French for cider as well? Cidra? Spell, spelled differently. Is it? Yeah, C I D R E versus S I D R A. Cidra. Is that so that the don't, Spanish is S I D R A? Is it? I didn't know that. I can only I speak English. Don't ask me for. <laughs> I, I could be giving. Ask them. Stella Artois. They know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a. We're drinking. Um, this is Zappian uh, Cidra, which is from outside San Sebastian, Spain, in Astagaraga, which hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. Again, hey. Spanish is not my first language. Um, it's not any of my languages. Um, this, I started with this one for, for a few reasons. Um, as I mentioned, I started, uh, I've been a beer lover for my entire life. Uh, well, since 13, I guess you could say. And I, um, I, start, I, I started in the beer industry as a writer and covering beer. I still cover beer a bit to this day. Um, but a few years back, about eight years ago, I was asked to, um, I had an editor who's like, Mike, we need someone to cover uh, cider as well. And... Um, Beer and cider are the same thing, so why don't you do it? <laughs> and that, that's how I learned uh, first that my editor was an idiot. <laughs> well, first I learned that cider and beer are not the same thing in, in any regard. Um, but yeah, that's, I think it's a common misconception. But So one of my first things I did, I went to um, an event called Cider Feast in, in New York City. And they had a bunch of different kind of booths there from different cideries. And one of the first ciders I ever tried um, was a collaboration between a Vermont cidery called Shaxbury 
And then again, here we go with the Spanish Petrogigi. Petrogigi. Oh, God, they're going to kill me. Right. Just say, kill me. I've heard articles right. about him. I'm just I never had to say the name aloud. Um, just say it confidently. It's fine. Yeah, you exactly. get away with anything. A Basque, uh, a Basque cider house in Spain. And you, when you drink this, um, it's not like your standard British cider. It's, it's not like most ciders, period. It's really tart. Um, well, first of all, it's still. Uh, it's really tart and lemony. Um, it's got a bit of earthiness and kind of rustic funkiness to it, but um, you get a lot. I, I think of it's almost like an alcoholic cloudy lemonade. It's that kind of tart. Sort of zippy. Zippy, yeah. It's, it's very zippy. And I, a lot of people find, and I, I found this, it's similar in a lot of ways to sour beer. Um, and so I, this kind of is one of the drinks that converted me um, into, I mean, I still drink more beer than cider by a long shot, but it helped convert me into kind of being um, appreciating cider because it's really, it, it made that connection in my brain. You know, okay. that if you, you know, I always say it's like if you have, if you have standard kind of sugary cider, like, um, like, you know, a Strongbow, and then, you know, that's your standard cider. On the opposite end of that, you have a very standard, um, you have very standard beer, like a lager, like, I don't know, like a Carling even. Um, and they're very disparate, very, very you know, the flavors are completely different. But if you kind of work your way to the opposite end of the spectrum of both and get from to like a sour beer or a sour naturally fermented cider, then actually the taste can be quite similar because yeah. the, the yeast profile is the same. And so that uh, it's the cider that got me into cider because I started to appreciate cider from that kind of side of the spectrum. And um, I think one of the reasons people don't get this a lot here in the UK is because it, it doesn't really exist here. I import this myself. I couldn't find any brands of Bass Cedra uh, in the UK. Um, and before Brexit, not to get political, <laughs> before Brexit, <laughs> I uh, would just buy it from Spain and um, have it sent directly to my house. But after that, uh, you literally have to import it by the pallet now. So that's what I do. Okay. Uh, this is like a good time for me to point out, by the way, and I have forewarned you of this beforehand, Mike, I am not a cider fan at all. So I, I'm here as the You're guinea pig. You're a sour pig, beer so fan, though. The, 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 the three of you, so Laura, Adam, Sean, you all like cider. I, I very rarely drink it, though. I drink quite a lot because of the gluten things. Of sort of, of course, yeah, thing, that makes yeah, sense. So. And you're a big, quite a big fan? Yeah, but I'd say I'm quite a recent cider drinker because I feel like the world of, you know, independently made British cider in particular is it's quite a few years behind the beer industry I think there's right. you know there's there's fewer producers that are out there and that are available um you know and it's it's the kind of thing that's only just kind of coming to the forefront and starting to be considered alongside beer so I've kind of got swept up in that with uh, you know some of the like ascension uh, cider duck chicken uh little pomona Ross, Onwai, Oliver's, you know, the, these are names that are only just starting to be a bit more well-known and kind of considered in the same sort of spheres as independent breweries, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the short answer is yes, I do like cider. <laughs> but from, I'm kind of coming at it from the sort of, the same kind of attitude that I would with a beer, if that yeah. makes sense. I don't yeah. like Strongbow. Okay, it does make sense. It does make sense. So I'm, I'm kind of like the not the guinea pig, but I am, I am here to be converted, Mike. This is, this is, this is what well, I'm, I wasn't even going to come to this episode. So you straight like, on to Basque. You straight on to Basque. You right into the far end of the uh, the pool, then, what, James. I and think. I, I think for for me, like I said, once you made, I, I think first of 
the first step is to re- release the barrier in your brain that cider can't be good or enjoyable from your normal. That's why I like to start at this far end of the spectrum. I actually, I've, I've learned to appreciate cider styles I used to not like, um, like sweeter styles uh, and more kind of apple forward styles mm. by starting with these far out ones and, and, and working my way back. Right. You know, because I, it's, you know, sometimes it's like if you can't, get in through the front door <laughs> it's better to go in through the back door you know and so that's kind of how what got me into cider is, is once i because then it's similar to like um with beer a lot of times i feel like you know you need to kind of appreciate a lager and then get into hops it's if you just jump into a triple ipa yeah you're gonna spit it out with i think most people i don't know <laughs> many kids today are drinking tip is right off the bat but uh, but yeah so I think it's you know but it, for me it's that progression of working down from these funkier ciders which to be fair I mean I would joke you know with the ciders I make myself here at the cider hole you know our recipe is just you know apple juice plus time equals alcohol apple juice will naturally <laughs> ferment into um, into alcohol if you just let it uh, leave it up to its own devices so you know similar to how you know, real ale is kind of more of a natural expression of, of beer than mass market lagers are. You know, this kind of naturally fermented funky cider is a more natural expression of what cider is. So then once you kind of get it from that raw understanding, then you can kind of appreciate all the different techniques they, they make to refine it. Um, and you also understand that a lot of what we drink isn't real cider. It's just, you know, fermented sugar water with yeah. apple concentrate in it. I've got a question, if that's all right, Mike. Mm. So, um, apples make cider. Perry is made from pears. Are there any other fruits, or have you got a, have you got a sort of secret fruit that you think is totally and utterly underused from a, um, a, a could we call it a cider? Are there other fruits right. that can yeah, make you know, a this, type of cider? This is a question I, I get a lot. Is just the the nomen, nomenclature of it all, um, and it, it's really it's it's confusing, but but for the wrong reasons. So basically, um, you know, with beer, you, you brew you brew beer. The first step for making a beer is you um, you steep it in hot water to get the fermentable sugars out. That's why you're brewing because that's it's like tea. That's the brewing, the, the extraction bit. Um, with cider, you you don't brew. It's it's a bit of a um, pet peeve of mine. I try not to get you know you don't want to be an asshole about this because you want people to like cider. <laughs> but when people say, "Oh, you brew your own cider," I like, fuck no. <laughs> so it's make. I make my own cider. You make. Yeah, you, I, I'd say I ferment my own cider because like, that's what yeah. I mean. You can say I mean anything. Yeah. Fine, just brewing it is a bit of my pet peeve. But the reason is because you're just you're juicing the fruit. And letting it ferment, you know that that's the only two steps, and that's the same as winemaking, right? With with winemaking, um, you know, you take the grapes, you juice them, and you, and you let that ferment. So the problem is, is those are kind of the two major beverages that we drink from fruit, right? Mm. Um, and because of that there's not a lot of words to describe everything else. In my mind, anything that is fermented fruit juice can be classified as some sort of wine. So uh, a wine is not a type. A grape wine is not a type of cider, but a cider is technically of kind wine. of a fruit wine. Right. And this this word Perry is what fucks up the whole system. I can curse <laughs> on the podcast. You right? can. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. someone named Perry Perry, and then people, oh, there's a word for for because Perry's you know a pear pear cider. Well, yeah. not, a pear cider technically can be an apple cider with pears. It's a it's a fruit wine. It's 100 percent fermented pear juice. 
Um, so that's a parry. But there just aren't words for all the other fruits. Uh, are there may, any? Are there, are there any? I'm sure there are off the top movie. And again, whenever I have this conversation, but basically any other fruit that you just juice and ferment, you just call it that sort of wine. <laughs> you know, so so here we, we have a hundred. Oh, the other thing I import besides the, the cedar is um, a 100% rhubarb sparkling rhubarb wine that's literally just made from, you know, juiced so rhubarb. So you could easily call it rhubarb well, cider, but you, but, well, you would, but you wouldn't. I wouldn't call it rhubarb cider because, like I said, a, a cider, in my mind, classifies under a wine. That's apples with rhubarb. That, that exactly. A rhubarb cider would be a cider flavored with rhubarb, right. right. Um, Honestly, we're, we're 12 minutes in. This has been the most informative podcast we've ever done. <laughs> Normally now, we're talking about mushy peas. Uh, stay is, tuned. We'll have lots of fun we have stuff on. <laughs> we, need, we need to get like some kind of like graph or like a spider diagram it, for the it, wall, it, like. it is a, It's a bit of a Venn, a Venn diagram. So, so here's the thing. It's, I, I would love to stock. There are, are a lot of amazing fruit wines um, that I would love to stock here that, that just uh, I don't get enough trade through or they, they'd move. The, the hope is one day we can expand and really show people what you can do with a lot of these different fruits. There is um, there's a sparkling strawberry wine I've had that I, I absolutely uh, love. I think Ooh. it's from Lime Bay. That um, nice. That's really nice. I've just recently tried a um, 100% blueberry wine and I'm, I'm forgetting the producer's name. So I apologize to whoever they are, but and you drink and it's it's like um, I think it was it must have been wild fermented because it almost has like this Bretomyces attack on it where it's almost like kind of tastes dirty, but it's so deep and fruity from the blueberry and it's just fucking awesome. Like I could drink that all day, uh, except I think it's like way too high percentage. There was an, what was the other? Oh, and we've just um, we recently started stocking uh, something from Pilton called Queen of the Brew, which is a hundred percent quince wine. Um, and it is just shocking, like in just in in a bizarre sort of way. Um, every I, I thought the first time I tried it, I'm like, this is never going to sell because it tastes so weird. But what I found is that, you know, it comes in 375 ml bottles for a reason because it's just so bizarre. And you crack it open. It's just like one of those things everyone wants to try mm. and pass around discuss. And because it, it's almost you think of quince. I mean, I don't know if anyone ever thinks of quince. When I think of quince, it's like <laughs> a bit of kind of, you know, you can't really bite into them that well. So you don't even know what they taste like, to be fair. It's a, a bit tart and lemony. It's in the palm family along with pears and apples. But it's like you you, you, you drink this quince wine on the nose. It's savory almost. And it has a lot of notes. It has kind of a scent of mint to it. And you drink it and it. It has notes of almost like dill or other kind of, you know, cooking spices yeah. in a weird sort of way. And it, so the thing is, there's all these interesting fruit wines out there that I think people are just afraid of for some reason. And it might just come down to the simple, you know, naming thing that they don't know how to categorize them. They, British people, no offense, guys, British people don't like to feel confused. Yes. <laughs> they like to be in a queue, whether it's physically or mentally, and kind of like, we know what's going on here. You know? yeah. So I think when you when you introduce these very weird drinks, I think a lot of people, when they can't put it in a category. So you think if strawberry wine had its own distinct name, like cider is a, an apple wine, then they would all score better because we'd, we'd be distinguishing between each one with its own personalized name. Well, I think, I think it would it'd help, yeah, because I think people do get confused. And I think it's too like, you know, with, with wine, there's this whole thing like um, when, when you first start, uh, I, this guy will never listen to the podcast, I'll embarrass him. There's a guy um, I met at a party years ago when I was first you know, working for food and wine, and we were talking about wine. And I was still a wine novice, but, you know, I wasn't an idiot. And this guy was saying, he's like, oh, it's cool how, like, you know, when you drink a good wine, how they, like, add a bit of cherry juice in there and, like, a bit of blueberry to, like, get those flavors into it. I'm like, yeah, no, that's not at all 
how it happens, you know? And so I think a lot of novices don't get these whole like tasting notes. And so they can be embarrassed when they find it like, no, that's just the expression of the grape juice. Just maybe the winery's cheating, but not with cherry juice. <laughs> but it's like, so I think we're taught this whole, you know, you're taught that like, oh, a wine has to be grape juice. And I think that's also like a, a lot of drinkers like to start with Bordeaux or Cabernet Sauvignon because it's like, it's a comfort zone. Like I can feel confident ordering this, you know? Yeah. And then when you introduce like, oh, here's a, a sparkling strawberry wine or here's like a, a blueberry wine. You've been taught your entire life that like, no, wine is from grapes and mm -hmm. anything else is adulteration. You, you start to like get, you know. Yeah, like, they all need, they all need separate names. This could be, this yeah. Is, this is homework for yeah. them. Yeah. Right. Brain, brainstorming <laughs> session, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they need separate, because they, they, it would be easy to assume that calling something a wine does is just a great wine with, with a fruit added to it. That's what most people will assume. Yeah. Isn't it? Hmm. Mm. Uh, Mike, you're my favourite guest that we've ever had because I feel like we could just we shoot could just up. we could just say a word and you'd be off. It's That's a problem. Brilliant. I'll just shut up for. Should I go get us no, another no. drink? Do we it's want to try good. the rhubarb wine? Well, Can, should we all I, think I, of I the subject and see so. what Mike knows about <laughs> that subject? Well, <laughs> I have any, any uh, yeah. comments on the what? On the what? I was going to say wine. Then talk about wine. <laughs> well, I've already chucked in do my we need zippy. A, do we need another drink? Yeah. Should we? Should we charge? Yeah, I'll get the rhubarb wine. I thought it was super easy drinking, like really refreshing. Um, I found it very accessible, but I don't know if I'm coming. No, I think so too. I yeah. think yeah, I'd have to agree with that as well. I, I think um, like what, it, what Mike says is very true in terms of the fact that this, if someone gave me this and said it was, I don't know, some kind of um, mixed firm beer or something. Yeah, just you know, um, yeah, some, something, so you, something you like that, like a funky, that's a, a funky sour. Yeah, yeah. I'd be like, yeah, I, I'm fairly yeah, yeah. certain I've had. Yeah, kind of whether it's like some kind of weird aged sour or something that's been fairly similar to yeah. that. The only difference being there's a little bit of a dryness to it that, yes, that you is. can pick up perhaps more on the aftertaste yes, than, than than necessarily as you're um, as you're drinking it. But I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't pick up on that enough for me to realise. And as I'm saying this, I, I'm also remembering that um, so kind of combining beer and cider has been done before hasn't it because it's Abbeydale Abbeydale over there Gravity did you do one as well well of, that's <laughs> remember, quite a new one I remember Thornbridge yeah. did last two or three weeks Thornbridge did Serpent, Serpent. Serpent. a few yeah. years ago yes, yeah did. did go down massively um, well I think it was two before it's time I think, yeah so, quite possibly just while we're you. on the topic of fruit uh, I learned thank you Mike I learned um, a new fruit at Leeds International that I feel the need to share with you all because I thought it fruit. was great go on then um so it was a beer from Wonder Beyond that had honey berries in it. So I was asking what that was, thinking, does it just mean honey and berries? But honey berry Scottish, is a berry. It? And it's, seriously, it, look up a picture of it because it was described to me as an elongated blueberry. And that's, it's like a big, long, droopy, rectangular blueberry. And, uh, are they grown in Scotland? I don't Am I know right where they're grown. I, I, think was, they I was too enamoured with the picture of I this think, uh, big long blueberry. I think Radio 4 Farm Daily might have mentioned uh, honeyberries being uh, grown this morning in the Tay Valley area. I'm sure oh, they good. did. Yeah. My, my autocorrect has gone to honey badger. That's different, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was not a honey Honeyberry. So it's a good sound, that. You know, we you don't say, get that you sound. Know, you know, yeah, yeah, they really do. Did you say this was zippy? Yeah. I think that because it's a still cider. I think that the zippiness almost makes it feel like it's got a little bit of sparkle in yeah. it on your tongues. It's quite like. Catches. So, so we're on. Are we? This is this is rhubarb. So this now, looks is it? like 
like a rosé The bottle carver. of that is right. absolutely <laughs> These stunning. These look like a real, real premium Yeah, product. that is beautiful. This is, uh, it? It's expensive. <laughs> this is so, as I, I said, I started, I, I imported, um, I import the zapping myself and I, uh, I wouldn't, importing cider was, was never my goal in life. But I was um, I was in Normandy researching French uh, French uh, Normandy cider, Norman ciders, and I went to Cider Expo, which was an event with about eighty different booths in it, primarily French ciders, um, you know, from the region. But there are a few different cider makers from outside the country, um, and this these guys actually talking about uh, um, fruit wine. So Coldhand specializes in making fruit wines. It's a Danish um, cidery. It's not cidery, sorry. A Danish fruit winery. Um, and obviously the Danes are always ahead of the curve on everything culinary, aren't they? Um, and so Room is made from 100% organic Svenborg wine rhubarb, which I always joke, I don't know what the fuck that means, but... <laughs> but it sounds it, oh, good. It, yeah. sounds, it sounds like another five quid on the bottle, that, actually, well, doesn't it? Yeah, it, yeah what good. it is, it's, it's made from 100... Wine rhub, it's a variety of, of rhubarb specifically made to be fermented into wine, supposedly, and they treat it exactly like that. They grow it naturally. It's organic. Um, so they let it grow naturally, and then they juice it, and each, each vintage is completely different. Um, and so anyways, I was in at Cider Expo, and I tried a 2018 vintage, and it was by far the best thing I tried in the entire event. And not just because it was uh, unique. It was not like my palate had died. and It was literally, I think, the second or third thing I tried, and it just stuck with me the entire time. Um, it's, as you can see here, th this one is a bit peachy. Uh, the 2018 was, was bright pink. Um, and again, you know, talk about doing it naturally. It's like that's year-to-year -year variation. Um, the pink one obviously is more appealing, but the peachy one looks nice. And you just, uh, it's, it's sparkling. They let it, um, I think it's uh, done in the champagne method, if I'm right. I'm not positive. Um, it, sounded, it, it sounded like it when you opened the, uh, yeah, the bottle. It's a good it? sound. It's a good sound. It's just, um, it's, it's tart. Yeah, sorry. I was just, I'm trying really hard to like sip it and savor it because, it, but what I really want to do is just be like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've not we've not actually That's talked about um, absolutely delicious alcohol ABV yet on on either of these. right. So the the, the Bass Cedra is I think about six percent. Um, this is eight uh, percent. So it's called Room, which I think is actually just Danish for rhubarb or something in that realm. Um, and yeah, it, again, it naturally produced. It varies year to year, eight percent to nine percent, which as a British importer is hell because you pay different. Uh, excise no. tax at the eight percent break. So some years importing it will be more expensive than others. Um, well, that's for other reasons as well. But uh, I loved it so much. I brought a bottle home for my wife. She loved it, and we we asked him like, where can we get this in the in the UK? And he said, you can't. We don't have an importer there. I'm like, let's change that. I was probably drunk off rhubarb wine, <laughs> <laughs> um, and that was my the beginning of my life as a uh, alcohol importer. I loved it that much. Um, between Brexit and between uh, the pandemic, it took 18, uh, and being American, um, which made it difficult because I own my citizenship here in the UK yet. So all those hurdles, it took me 18 months, but finally a pallet of rhubarb wine arrived on my doorstep. And it's wow. uh, people people love it. The, the problem is um, it, it is expensive coming from Denmark. And it's I, I think we sell it here for, um, I'm blanking, 32 a bottle to drink in or 20 something to take out 
Um, but at the same time, I mean, it is it's a it's a premium product made it with a you know artisan method. It's not just they're not churning it out and adding rhubarb flavor. Yeah. Um, I kind of want that on Christmas Day instead of like <laughs> Bucks Fizz with really my breakfast. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, what I love about it is it ticks so many boxes. It can be your champagne replacement because it's so sparkling. It can be your rosé replacement because it's so beautifully peach or pink. It can be your low alcohol wine because it's only eight. This this year, the 2020 that I have now is only 8%. Um, and it's just, it's it can be celebratory. I think it's a, I, I think it's an awesome product. And, they, and going back to it, they do a lot of different fruit wines. They do... Cherry wine, and they have a, a um, they have a, what is it? A black currant wine um, that would <laughs> this I could never sell in the UK. It would it would have to have about the same price point, but it's only four percent ABV. <laughs> wow! I don't, I don't think Brits would go for a, a thirty quid <laughs> bottle of four percent ABV drink of any kind. But I think that's probably also the most expensive drink that's been opened on podcasts since we started. Ooh. Would you say? Could be. Probably like some more. So. <laughs> I'm driving, <laughs> thank you. So but that, that really... Actually, this is a, this is a fresh bottle, so it will be a, it'll express a little bit different. There, one have been opened a bit. It's got a lovely I sherbet. Went, I just went to sniff my microphone then rather than the bit. I've yeah, yeah, <laughs> <I've> decided... <laughs> Um, James is coming back for seconds. It, do, uh, like, it just smells amazing. There's yeah. something just incredibly... like the, the smell and the taste don't quite match. I, I agree. It doesn't, sm- it doesn't taste like it smells. It, it smells like, like, like a bag of sweets or something. Mm. I think it's just sure, quite but tart, but well, the smell's not, not a bit softer. I just did what you did and stiff my microphone. know <laughs> 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 what's going on. <laughs> We've had two ciders and uh, I don't know how to use microphones anymore. But this is the thing when I start importing it, I'm just like, well, worst case scenario, it's 180 bottles for me to keep to myself. So <laughs> I wouldn't be too upset about that. So in talking about where you are then, Mike, we've not said yet exactly John, where hold where your microphone you properly. Um, so um, you're, you're in Sheffield, of course. Yeah. And... You're down at Shalesmoor, just off the roundabout. You're in Crinkle, which is the container yeah. uh, vessel venue that I would imagine most people uh, would know. You're on the first floor, yeah. 1.3. I'm e- easy to find. I found it, I found it very easily, and yeah. having not been before. That, that, makes, real, that makes one of us. Real, <laughs> really easy. I sometimes um, get lost coming back. It's <laughs> my bar. So... Um, is does Sheffield um, does Sheffield buy that? Does does Sheffield buy that type of product and appreciate it? And have you had to go hunting for um, real uh, amazing cider lovers in Sheffield, or were they here already? How, how does that work? So I had this, you know, the tradition of cider in England far it's far bigger than the states. Um, and in I always give this statistic, which is I, in the U.S. Cider sales are less than 1% of total alcohol sales in the U.S. I don't know what they are in England, but I'm guessing it's significantly more than that. Mm. Uh, even if it was just you know, 5%, I mean, that's still five times the, the amount. And the tradition goes back a, a lot longer here in the U.K., um, and it pretty much just comes down to prohibition. Because you think about prohibition in the U.S., um, it, they shut down everything. You didn't have prohibition here in the U.K., lucky you. Um, but so, so were the cider houses in the States before Prohibition? Right. So supposedly, according to the history book, cider was extremely popular in the U.S. Um, before, before Prohibition. Um, 
and uh, I, I don't want to comment on how much because I haven't done that research necessarily, but it, it was a popular drink. Mm. Um, but what happened, you know, with a brewery, again, the difference between making beer and making cider, w- with a brewery, you know, once Prohibition ended, you turn the lights on, you grab the malts, you know, which they're making barley anyways, you, you find some hops, you don't even have to find hops necessarily, you just make shitty beer for a while. Um, with, with ciders, or even then, you know, hops grow annually, right? It doesn't take long to get hops going. With, with the cideries, you know, most ciders are made from specific cider varieties of apples. And so Prohibition, people forget in the UK or might not even know, it lasted, let me get this wrong, 12 years, 18 years, 20, I should know this. I think it was 19, I'm not going to guess, 1920 to 1932. You're not going to get anybody disagreeing with you. Yeah. 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 So it was, it was a long time. And basically all these people, all these farmers that had orchards, they didn't know it was ever going to end. So they ripped up all their apple trees. Oh, right. And that's that. You know, because what, what else would you do in that situation? Now, you, you might wait a year or two and see if the tides turn. But And so, you know, it, it takes generate. You know, there's a saying in the in the cider industry and in the orchard industry, you don't plant trees for yourself. You plant them for your kids. You know, so it's like a lot of people just never replanted those. And cider never really got back to where it was because they, they weren't prepared for that industry. Um, so you cut to, you know, so in in England, you know, that never happened. So there, there's still been a lot of cider drinkers, that tradition of, you know, and, and for me here in the cider hole, I work under an exemption license. You're legally allowed to produce 7,000 liters of, of cider commercially without a license. You know, it, it's, I think it goes back to tradition of farmers could just take their apples and make mm-hmm. alcohol with it. Um, but the problem is that <laughs> I think, you know, most of that tradition comes from the south of England. Um, yeah. And a lot of uh, the, the cider drinkers... Um, in these parts, tend to drink it because they just want something you know light and easy drinking, and you know sugary and sweet. Um, and so I had this vision in my head that oh you know all there's there's got to be you know closet cider lovers hiding in, in Sheffield. And I'll be honest, I, I was wrong. I think there there aren't, uh, uh, or if they if they are, they haven't been actively searching me out. Um, but at the same time, I think. Even for cider lovers, my, my whole idea with this place was to try and convert people um, into the... Because what you're drinking today, I mean, this isn't even a fucking cider. It's a, no. it's 100% rhubarb wine. It was just to, you know, I always say the cider hole specializes in weird and wonderful beverages of all sorts. Yeah. In retrospect, I think the cider hole was a bit of a branding issue. Um, I had never even worked a shift in a bar, let alone owned a bar before I opened this place. <laughs> uh, so there were some small mistakes I made that have big repercussions um, but the thing is, I also want to be here advocating for cider, um, that there are things that are different that you'll like if you come in here. And so this brings me to the answer to your question is people come in here and they try the rhubarb wine. I do it by the glass always. And um, they love it. And people who would normally not spend that much for a glass of something they don't understand at all will gladly go for seconds and thirds and buy a bottle to go. Um, I think the biggest barrier to entry for a lot of what I serve here um, isn't financial or, you know, taste, you know, wise. It's literally the barrier to walking in this door, finding the place, coming here and being willing to try the things I recommend and saying, oh, this Mike guy actually does have a fucking clue he's talking about, (laughs) not just some crazy guy. So that's the thing. I, I always joke. I hate to use the term educational and bar in the same sentence. Like. I wouldn't want to go to the fucking educational bar. Like, but that's a lot of what I try and do here. It's just like, you know, get people on board with things 
um, that just don't have the exposure that I feel like they should in Sheffield. I think you educate very naturally, Mike. So people don't don't even know that they're being educated. Well, it's also so alcohol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, yeah it, 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 um, it's like it's like the the booze, I suppose. That's so very very easy to to drink and take, and your education is the same. It's 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 uh, very easy. I but think there's one thing I've found about cider, and like I don't know of that I'm like I said before I'm still quite a beginner into the cider world but I do kind of personally know quite a few people that make cider now and it, the beer industry is a very very open and a very passionate industry and I think cider is even more so from the people that I've met who who work in it um, and everyone has been so kind of open to share what they know and so so knowledgeable about you know apple varieties and stuff like that like there is a mine of knowledge and information there and i do think people are starting to listen and take it in and i think there's still a lot more that people can learn and you know it is really engaging it is really interesting it's a huge part of our agriculture mm. you know our history all of that kind of thing um and it's been a little bit underground well, I mean, Laura, what you're saying right now is specifically what got me into cider more than anything else. I could say, oh, you know, I, I got a, I got into these different flavors and I appreciate the different flavors. But the biggest difference for me, you know, going from beer to cider as as a journalist and just as a human being was, you know, I started drinking craft beer. I, I went to Los Angeles for uni in 1997. And you think about California, 1997, huge time for craft beer. Mm -hmm. You know, you get like the Stone Brewery was brand new at that, mm -hmm. not brand new, but only been open, what, four years at that point. Mm -hmm. um, I would, you could tour microbreweries and craft breweries. I learned so much just by being in California at that time. And you meet these people very easily, you know, because it was still, you think about 1997 in the States, there were probably at that time, don't, again, don't quote me on any of these numbers, but I'm guessing somewhere between 900 and 1200 breweries in the United States. And you could literally, once you got into the beer industry, you could feel like you'd met every single person worth meeting. And this is back before every brew was a one-off. So you could feel like you had tried every good, mm. every beer in the country. Like I wouldn't, I didn't need to worry about, you know, it's like, I, I felt like I'd literally tried every beer worth trying, uh, which is a feeling you can never get now because they constantly, you, you know, you can barely, in the United States now, there's about 9,000 breweries. You can't even try every brewery worth trying, let every beer worth trying. Um, and, but then when I started discovering cider, you know, in 2000, what was that? It had to have been 2015. It felt like going back to craft beer in 1997, you know, it's like suddenly there's a small community of people that, that were passionate about starting something new and creating a movement, not just like making another fucking hazy IPA and being like, okay, cool. You proved you could do what Cloudwater did. Like, does that make you happy really? And that's <laughs> like what makes, you know, and there's just like you said, the, the kind of, there's also just like, you know, and beer used to be about the history too. People used to talk about the effect of prohibition it had on the craft brewing industry, how it destroyed so much of these, um, you know, so much of you know the American brewing tradition, and like how it was fighting against all these mass market beers. And you don't get that anymore because you don't need to have those discussions as much as you used to. But with cider, it is talking about like you know salvaging fruit. All out, all you know, one of the big things we do here with with my cider brand, the Exemption Cider House, that we make on site in in the cider hole is, uh, you know, I find salvaged fruit from people's gardens and turn into alcohol. Like, 
Just your, little, your neighbors. The cool, exactly. Our yeah, first yeah. brew ever was Cool Neighbors. It was named after all the cool people, 31 different households around Sheffield that just gave me the apples out of their back garden. And to be fair, I say they gave it to me, but they, they weren't going to do it with anything. <laughs> Anyways, I, I basically was the trash collector for them. You know, the, the bin, what do you call it, rubbish collector? Mm. I, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's, it's just, it, it's, a, it's cool to be in that smaller community and get back to some of those roots discussions about like the importance of alcohol other than just like trying to act cool and get drunk, you know? I've I've been making a list of questions as we've been going, and and I realise we we're, we're already more than halfway through. Feel free to to give me one word answers to these if you want. Yes, I'll stop um, being so. I don't know if these subjects come up, and I've just not um uh, not not realised. But so why Sheffield? Why how did you end up here? What was what what happened there? Right, my wife is from Sheffield. Right. Um, you wouldn't know it by meeting her though. So she moved to the states when she was six. Right, um, but her dad always stayed here. We, we debated going to um, London, from New York to London, which would have made more sense, but we just had a kid. Um, we were sick of paying 2600 a month in rent or the we were yeah, paying. Yeah. I don't know how we were paying in New York. Um, so we decided, we love Sheffield. We've been visiting for years to see your dad. I actually, I love the beer scene here. I love the pub culture. Um, so we decided, let's just do it. Let's go to Sheffield. Question two, do you eat apples? I will, I will do occasionally. Okay. Yeah. I, if you drink a lot of cider, not very often like, I'm detecting yeah, yeah. there, actually. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't not... eat a hop. No. They're not the most fun fruit, are they? They're kind of like... They're very, they're very, they're very oh, convenient. I quite, I quite like a good uh, apple. Yeah, a pink, a pink lady I quite yeah. enjoy. I, I enjoy... I'd, I'd chalk it up more to my poor diet than my <laughs> lack of, of loving apples. <laughs> Yeah, I've got three Granny Smiths in the fridge at home. If I put them in like a bowl and put them in the cellar and leave them, will they eventually turn into cider? Is that how it works? Right, no, because they, they will rot. So one of the things we do when we sort through apples here is um, you can use a lot of ugly apples, but once it gets a bit of mold on it, it gets tossed. Right. What's, what's fermenting is um, the liquid. And then, I get, I'm not a scientist, but I think the, um, the everything else is what can create you know, har- harvest or harness bacteria. So the mold can get onto the flesh, but it wouldn't get into the liquid. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Something about the fermentation of the liquid so is what So squeeze them. Mold. Squeeze your Granny Smiths. Give them a real hard... You're not going to get much of a drink out of three Granny Smiths, James. I can buy that, more Granny Smiths. This Smith is his experiment, though, isn't that, it? That this said, though, yeah, all, all apple... Uh, I, I hate using extremes, but I oh, believe oh, all apples can be juiced and fermented in the cider. And here, uh, I don't pick varieties. I just take whatever people give me. And so, um, and I've done micro batches. That. That's brilliant. Yeah, I've done micro batches as small as just like a single, you know, jug. So you can, you could take right. Granny Smith. You're on this, James. And, yeah. I think you're on this. Uh, and my final question, which is just a functional question, really, but it occurred to me as we were talking. Do you actually sell beer, or do you only sell cider and other? We fruit? sell, yeah. I mean, we sell a lot of beer here. Again, okay. again, if if I could do it, so we're incorporated under the name. My, so my my import company is called Quality Ferments Imports, and we're incorporated as Quality Ferments Limited. And if I could do it all again, I think I probably would name this Quality Ferments because I think <laughs> it does a better job of saying what what we serve here. Um, I hand select all the beers myself. Like I said, I come from a long line of long career beer journalism. I, and I stick to local breweries, breweries I support. So we, we always try and keep stuff from St. Mars of Desert here. I've been stocking some stuff from Heist. We have stuff from Abadale. Um, I pick some of my favorite breweries uh, around the country. We always have at least one day of beer in cans or bottles. Now, we don't have anything on draft or casks. We don't have room for that. It's all cans and bottles. 
but yeah, we we stopped Colonel's India Porter because I think it's one of the fucking best porters you can get with the and we stock. Um, I, I when I can get it, I try and stock staggeringly good from down to Portsmouth because they yeah. do some amazing sours. They do some really great hoppy beers. And you know, I try and stock stuff you won't necessarily find at other bars around around the cool. area. So yeah. That's good. I'm, glad, I'm actually glad that I asked that because I wonder whether or not you know, there the may be people that that kind of you know see this on Google Maps or something and think, well, you know, we've got a couple of people in our group that don't like cider, so we better not go. We'll go another time when it's so knowing that you you know that the, the, there is um, plenty of other stuff to kind of suit everyone is I think is, is worth people. Not knowing. not to ramble. We also have a really nice wine list that I curate myself. Uh, we specialize in English white wines, and so we have a English Bacchus. We have a sparkling Sauvignon Blanc from. Uh, Hindleap, which is an amazing brand down in Devon, I believe, or May Sussex. And then um, we we stock wines by a place called Huxbear, where I know the winemakers myself. And then all of our reds and rosés come from my friends Vincenzo and Georgia, who um, run Naturally Wines, and a natural Italian importer. So we also have a nice selection of about four or five different natural Italian wines. Uh, where do you actually keep all this stuff? Because to, to try and paint the picture, Sean's the guy for painting well, pictures. Yeah, but, but I was, this is basically like if if you um, if you rent an apartment nowadays, you have like a combined living room and kitchen area, don't you? And it's uh, we're talking about something that's a you know kind of the same sort of size as maybe like a I, really big apartment. I think this bar apartment. is is probably the most sort of uh, as if you were a customer, it's the most sort of collaborative bar um, in existence. You you have to talk and face and look at other people don't you yeah you, you have to it's a, it's a, it's a bit you've like got to talk to the people opposite that, that you, was the you? point i it's wanted like to be f- on the metro in new york yes it's it got is. like yeah, a train yeah. carriage yeah. vibe Choo-choo. yeah i didn't think about it till someone said it about a month <laughs> into it i it gets compared to a sauna a lot because <laughs> <laughs> it's all wood um i i literally we, we do I, have our clothes on just for clarity so, yeah, yeah, no towels on right now i uh all, it all goes under the benches. Um, they're oh. all numbered, so I know which is in which bin. And then, yeah, there's it fits a That's surprising clever. amount of stuff. Yeah. You've got a nice view of the Arts Tower. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah? Which is a, uh, a, la- a landmark. Yeah, one of the yeah. remaining yeah, yeah. Paternoster lifts, isn't it? It is. And I'm also um, really, really deliriously happy to realise that you can put a coat back in that or a stopper back in that and continue to sell it. I thought Mike had opened a, a 30 quid bottle of, of rhubarb. Just just for us. I, I really did. I, mean, I, would, I would do. I wouldn't be a problem. Problem. You can take it home if you want. No, I'm very happy. I'm very happy you can... Uh, uh, who am I going to pick? I'm going to pick on Adam for your on, review then of the... Um, uh, r- 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 room. Room? Yeah. room? Don't drink room. at room temperature. <laughs> hey! No, it's, it's, it's perfect. Do you know, I, I won't... I, I didn't think I was going to like it uh, that much at all. I mean, I like rhubarb in things, but I think rhubarb's quite very specific. It's quite, it's got a full-on flavour, hasn't it? And it's really tart as well. But yeah, it's really it's, balanced, it is delicate, isn't it? Yeah, Beautiful. I, I think people who don't like rhubarb would like that. I always think you know that, I mean? like, not, when you have like rhubarb crumble, I always think I'm not going to enjoy this. Like mm. rhubarb, you, you think of it as being, it's it's you know, it's in the the poor relations of the fruit family, isn't it? It's like it's just a bit like it's a bit weird. Very, yeah, but very actually, Yorkshire, isn't it? So, is there anybody in Wakefield it? that would, in any way, create? And this one's one for Mike. Uh, you're aware of Wakefield's importance to UK rhubarb? No, right. rhubarb triangle. You, you, yeah, rhubarb triangle. 
Yeah, it's the, yeah, it's the, the right. So the, yeah, the so I, I, I would, I would imagine there are a fair few brewers out there, and certainly a few in the funk dungeon at Abbeydale that, if they drank something like that, they would immediately be heading up the M1 to Wakefield to try and source and, is and it, recreate. Is it, is it something forcing? Like that. Is it forcing? Forced rhubarb. Yeah. Is it, is it forcing? It's forced at the to grow overnight with candles. Apparently, you can um, you can hear it. You can can't hear you? it squeaking yeah, it does, as it, as it, it makes well, a kind of squeaky squeal. As a brewery with a brewer's license, you can only make beer. Yeah, you couldn't make something yeah. like yeah, this. Yeah, I, I was meaning more than themselves as individuals. Oh, to, to have them to drink. Yeah, yeah, to, oh, yeah. No, no, even to try and create themselves yeah. personally. Um, Home brewed sort of rhubarb, um, fruit wines. This, this smells interesting. Smells sweeter. Yeah, the, the so apples definitely coming through. It looks a little there. bit like. Uh, a, we're going to move uh, back to cider. Home a, a, a uh, little bit, even a little bit smoky. It smells. Mm. Yeah, there's a little bit of smokiness. We've, we've been on a real journey, haven't we? So in, I think in, this is a good one to minutes. try, and not just because it's already open. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was already open because I've been serving it on my... Uh, so we always do three of... We specialize in large wine-sized bottles of cider, 750 mLs. We always serve um, three by the glass, at least. So we're serving this one by the glass because I love it because I think it's a great... Again, you, talking about trying to convert people into cider... So this is from Little Pomona, which is in Herefordshire. Uh, they've be kind of become um, the, kind of the old school godfather of modern artisan cider making in the UK is Tom Oliver from Oliver Cider, also in Herefordshire. He started somewhere around 2002, I believe. Uh, Little Pomona's come on the scene more recently. I'd like to say 2016-ish. Again, don't quote me on any numbers. Um, but it's so... Um, Susanna is a cider writer. Um, she's written one of the books we have here. Uh, her husband, James, um, uh, is a winemaker. I think Susanna has a winemaking background as well. And so they take a very wine-like approach to cider. And I love doing this one by the glass because it kind of, it, it's about converting, you know, talking about converting people. It's different from anything you'd really think about with cider. First of all, uh, it's a single varietal, which I think a lot of people don't realize you can do with cider. Um, I don't care about what cider apples I use because I'm just making scrumpy. Um, but you can hand, you know, s select certain varietals to get certain sort of results. Um, this is Egremont Russet, uh, which is a good mix of kind of um, flavor and also tannin. Um, which is that kind of dryness that comes with the flavor. Tan tannin, it, it feels more aggressive, this one. Yeah, definitely. When you smell it. Is yeah, that yeah. tannin? It's, um, yeah, you're getting a bit of that kind of apple tannin on the yeah. nose. Yeah. The, so then, then what they do, as if that wasn't, on its own, that would be unique and interesting. Um, but then they also age it in white burgundy barrels. Um, oh, yeah. And so this drinks, like, in many ways, I always say it's the perfect cider for wine lovers. Because you get that cider on the on the nose and kind of up front, but just finishes with that kind of very Chardonnay-like finish. Mm. I feel like the first sip, I was like, "That's strange," and then I tried it again and yeah. was like, "Oh no, actually!" Like I've had I one sip. You mm, kind of understand yeah. it a little bit more yeah. as you as you I drink it. So yeah, seems to do that. To be fair, go between different ciders. Sometimes the first mouthful or two, it's just really like, bizarre because you're just like, I don't know if you're brain tricking you or whether it's just a an odd blend when you move between them. But yeah, that first, it's, it's completely gone now. That first one, I was like, it can almost taste like savoury. Yeah. Like, I could, it sounds weird, but I thought I could taste cheese. You can, again, <laughs> so they're, they're probably using, a, I don't know if this is, most likely it's done with natural fermentation. So you will get sometimes a bit of that kind of 
it's gone yeah. now. It's just that initial. Yeah, that, like, yeah no, I, 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 I'm going to you know, second or third or whatever on now. That that kind of thing that my first taste kind of took me back a little bit, um, and then, but also like the after taste was different again, and then you know the second sip again kind of took me somewhere a little bit different and I'm, I'm definitely getting like a smokiness from it but i'm guessing that's coming from the aging um and a bit of barrel yeah yeah i mean um, I, th- I think not and this is the thing a cider good cider the same how cider isn't made like beer it's made like wine i think cider can be appreciated more like a wine um than anything else you, you wouldn't you know, a great a great drink should force you to go back and you know if, if you understand a scotch on the first sip, well, you sorry you've bought the worst fucking scotch on planet Earth, you know. Uh, and it's same thing with a good wine. You, you know, unless you've just bought a four pound bottle from Tesco, it's like you expect to have a wine evolve over multiple sips over time as it opens up, as it warms in the glass, as your as your palate gets you know accum- uh, acclimated to it as. You know, as you get a bit drunker, you know, all those things are a sign of a good beverage. And the thing is, you know, most cider, if you go out and you get it, even even something like an Aspal, which I think is going to be kind of one of the better mainstream ciders you might find on draft, you're not going to get that. You get the flavor in your mouth, and that's how an Aspal is going to taste the rest of the night, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, any of the sweet ones are just there to, to give you. And that's the thing, too. It's like the, the sugar you get on your palate is just it hangs there. You know, it's like you can only eat so many Skittles or something before you're like, okay, I can't deal with this anymore. A Skittle doesn't evolve on your palate, you know. <laughs> so uh, that's yeah. So the different first, colors first of Skittles. I think we've had on the, the same. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and make an artifacty comment well, here. Um, I think that the first cider that we had um, reminded me of spring. April, May, coming alive, zipper, getting going. The second one was high summer, very simple, classy, and um, back bang on the, the scorching up days of late July. This one's autumn, um, all over the place to me. This one, this is October. This one, is that all right? Very, very short. You know, I wish I wish we had our winter cider in stock. Right <laughs> yeah. Now. Now you say, yeah, I'm let, trying to get a fourth drink. Like I mean, let's face it. No, <laughs> la- so last last winter, you know, everyone said for the winter, oh, you could do mulled cider, and I'm like, fuck that. You know, it's like, <laughs> mul- not that I have anything against mulled cider, but it's just you know, you're you're destroying the cider by mulling it. Um, Instead, I got something from from Pilton uh, down in Somerset, which is they specialize in sweet keeved ciders. Um, but they just do incredible, crazy experiments with them. And they have had one last season called Jester that was, um, it was, oh, I could get it wrong. It was juniper berries and bay leaves, and it was aged in, in rum barrels. And I swear, I, I stocked it as my Christmas cider, and it, it just drank like a, a Negroni almost kind of cider. It was so incredible. That's great. I also really like um, Ascension, who I mentioned before, do a lot of sort of, other fruit mixed in with their apples and other flavors and things um and they do one called glow which is a cinnamon spiced cider and it's it's in can um but it's still and you can warm that just warm it gently so it's not really a mulled cider it's just a cider that lends itself to being drunk at any temperature and i really like that okay uh, I'm intrigued by this because I feel like every mouthful that I've had has been slightly different. 
it's it's kind of taken me in a few different directions and a few different places. And if you ask me now, James, are you a convert? Do you like cider? I'll be like, I honestly don't know. I feel like we've we've really been in the last, what are we on, 50, 51 minutes, that we've been on a real, like, it has been a journey and there's been a lot of different flavours and a lot of different tastes. Well, I, I didn't th- expect that, to be honest. I, that, I that's, th- that's, that's, that surprised me, the fact that... I would, I would imagine now, like I, I would be quite happy coming in here one evening and just going, go on, you choose, just mm. yeah, whatever, whatever you reckon, and 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 just be surprised. Um, I think that's probably what I would say is my takeaway from this is I've been surprised. I, I think that's one of the misconceptions too about about cider in general. It's like so for this by the glass, I think I um, charge, I think it comes out to like seven pounds for a two fifty glass, okay. um, which and to be fair. All my margins and all my products are stand, industry standard, and they're the same across the board. So I'm, I'm just charging uh, what it comes in at at wholesale. And to be fair, I support these cider makers to charge whatever the hell they want. In fact, I'll get yeah. arg- in arguments with cider makers saying, you know, you're putting in the graft. Am I using that term properly? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> putting in the graft, charge more, you know? And it's like, this is not easy to make. Um, but people will say like, you know, well, oh, why would I pay seven pounds for a... Uh, for you know 250 liters of cider i could go get a, a pint for four quid or whatever and it's like but that's the thing is this is an ex- and it's not just that it's an experience it's like you need time with this cider you know one of the big mistakes i made financially this place is when i started serving my own cider um i priced it at normal cider prices but it's such such an intense drink you know people would come in and they they get a a third or a half and they might get through a couple thirds or a couple halves but they you need time with a good with a good cider with a, a natural cider like a wine like you don't look to buy wine by volume you look to buy it for how how good is it how unique does it taste how mm. much of an experience can i get out of actually tasting and sipping this and if you take if you if you get locked into these thoughts about you know what what is the volume? What is the ABV? And what is the price? You're you're never going to understand cider the way it needs to be understood, you know. And I think that that's exactly it. Like it is. It's more. I always say the the cider hole, despite the name, uh, is more akin to a wine bar than anything else, um, because that's kind of what we're doing. These are fine beverages that need some time to experience, you know. Well, we're pretty much out of out of um, time. I'll I'll ask everyone for kind of their closing remarks in a moment sounds like i'm hosting a zoom meeting now doesn't it um but um mike you've been an absolutely fantastic well you've been a great host you've been a great guest so thank you um if there is anyone that's listening to this that thinks wow never even heard of this place don't know anything about it what's the best way for someone to find out is it just come and just turn up right i mean we if you go to is the cider hole we always we tend to be open fridays and saturdays but it's just a straightforward website you can find our hours you know where to find us uh, we are obviously we're on Instagram. I tend to mostly use Instagram. We're also on Twitter and Facebook. Um, so if you want to keep up to date on what on what we're doing, um, if you have any questions, we we're all, we're only open two days a week. Um, but I will come down and open for you if you want to come in our time. And I can. Uh, I got a family and a day job, but I will come down here and open. So any email to the entire place comes to me. You can try and book in on our days a week. I don't give a fuck. You're I'll on come Thursday down. this week as well. Is that right? We're, also, sometimes we do have other events. So like um, we have a, an, our wine importers are doing a kind of natural wine takeover this Thursday. It was just going to be on before then. We'll be out before then. Yeah. So it's the whatever it is, the 20 something. It, it might be. 27th, maybe. Yeah. Um, we do a, I do an open mic comedy night here the first Tuesday of every month. 
uh, that's actually a lot of fun. And so there's, there's, yeah, the best place is just we're we're here. We're open. We're, we're I, I'm not. It's a tough to find location. Admittedly, we don't. It's not foot traffic no, friendly. No, it's not. People well, it's not. Joro, don't it's not foot traffic yeah. friendly. But yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not you know hiding the from the internet or anything. No. We're out there, and um, and any email or any message comes right to me. It's my bar. So if you have questions, I will answer them for you. Cool. Perfect. Brilliant. Um, relevant. Just to mention, um, next month we uh, our episode will be at the Steel City. I'm going to call it the Steel City Beer Festival, but Beer to be fair, cider. it is officially called the Steel City Beer and Cider Festival, and it's down the road, isn't it? It's only just up the road, so if there's anyone that's heading there that is uh, particularly keen on the, uh, the the size they've got there, come here as well. So, well, also, uh, the good chance for a plug, I am hosting a guided cider tasting there. Brilliant. Um, shit, I'm forgetting which day. I think it's on the... Thursday. Thursday. It's it on the Thursday. Do you yeah. know? Yeah. I think I've seen it on the... Yeah. Uh, I mean, Jules, Jules is doing one yeah, as well. Yeah, she's doing one. You can find it through the website. It's Thursday, a, I think. I think it's a one-hour guided tasting where you'll be able to try four ciders. I, we're sponsoring one of the two cider bars. Uh, like I said, I am I have a family and a day job, but I'm going to try and be at the cider whole cider, sponsored cider bar as much as I can, answering questions, promoting cider. Uh, I can point in the right direction of cider. And finally... Most of our ciders I make myself. Last year, we um, didn't release them until March, but I have one right there. I've made a special 25-liter batch. Uh, it's called the. It's going to be called the Exemption Cider House Steel City Spontaneous Speed Run because I'm Brilliant. trying to get it ready in time for the festival. Um, 100% spontaneously and fermented with local garden 100 apples. pounds to anyone that can say that without any mistakes <laughs> after four pints of it. Exactly. You can, your next pint's on me if you, can, if you can say the name. So that will be available there as well. Brilliant. Uh, we're going to have to wrap up. Laura, final thoughts? You enjoyed, enjoyed your ciders? My cider, my rhubarb wine, yep. and my cidra. Yes. Cidra. Um, Adam, obviously you were saying this is particularly relevant yeah, for yeah. you because from a, from a gluten-free point of view, yeah, really good. It surprised me as well, to be honest. I mean, I like I like trying different wines, natural wines, ciders, still sparkling, strong, barrel aged. But um, yeah, I, I, I the venue is really cool. It's, it's actually really cozy and nice, and yeah, it is. Yeah. Learned so much, and yeah, I think yeah, I'll definitely be back. Thanks for looking after us, Maya. That's been fantastic. But I'm afraid. Um, you're you're not going to be the thing I look forward to beyond this. Uh, James's Granny Smith's fridge <laughs> cider <laughs> is the thing, I, the is the thing cellar, I'm looking forward fridge. to most. We'll give it a year. You need to age something like that. Just, I'm going to call it rotting. It'll be fine. <laughs> I'm going to call it rotting granny. <laughs> Smelly uh, granny. Smith in really small letters. Maybe a little Pomona can loan you a white burgundy barrel to round it out. Mike, thank you very much, and um, we uh, will be back, and we will see you at the uh, Steel City Beer and Cider Festival next month. See you then. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye.